Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I feel like, before we get into the message, I feel like there's like this explosion of like all these kind of thoughts and scriptures as, as we were worshiping and as I was thinking about this, this message for today and last night. Um, and so uh, I, I asked my wife, kind of actually this morning, I said, hey, would you pray for, for offering? And I didn't know what the Lord had had upon her heart, and I'm just so proud of her, because uh, that's, not, that's not really naturally her to talk about tithing and giving. And so, way to be, way to be, way to talk biblically on, on giving, amen. <laughs> and so, so proud of her for that. And, and then also, like, um, I'll just be honest, so uh, my brother Aaron was, was planning to be here and to preach and to continue on with the sermon series that he started last week on, on kind of uh, Christ-like character being built within us. And um, unfortunately, on, well, not unfortunately, but on Friday, he called me and said, hey, um, Trace is at State Wrestling, and he's actually doing really well, so you may have to preach. And so I said, oh, okay. I was like, what's the likelihood? What's the probability? I'm like, give me, give me the lowdown. And he's like, well, I, you know, I think it'll be okay. And so then I got a call yesterday, and he said, yeah, he actually won. So um, he's wrestling on Sunday, so uh, you're up to bat. And so honestly, there's a little bit of anxiety that filled my heart at that moment. I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to confess and straight up say that. And I was thinking, Lord, I don't, like, I don't really have anything prepared. And I, I usually like to prepare sermons and messages. I usually like to take a good um, you know, six, seven days to really kind of let it ruminate and like, you know, dig in with the Holy Spirit. I'm writing things usually, and then I'm like, I'm scrapping that, writing something, I'm scrapping that. And then I you know, kind of fine-tune it. And um, that's just the way usually I roll with the Holy Spirit in writing a message. And so um, he says, nope, this is, uh, this is not how we're going to roll this weekend. And so there was, a, there was a scripture passage that I read this morning. I, I got here uh, before my wife, which is why we're, we're kind of twinning and we didn't know it. Um, but um, it comes from First Corinth, or Second Corinthians excuse me, chapter 12. And this is not part of the message, but I really feel like... Um, the Lord has me in this place and maybe some of you in this place to hear this, this scripture because this truth, again, the beauty of scripture is that it replaces the lie. Amen? And so, like I was kind of declaring this truth over my mind and my heart uh, to this morning as I woke up and I came to church and I was thinking about all the things that had to be done and the Lord quieted my heart and he gave me this scripture and it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses uh, kind of 8 and 9, um, primarily 9 and this is Paul writing, and, uh, and Paul says, but he said to me, this is, he's talking about, about, about Jesus, about the Lord, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, Ryan. My grace is sufficient for you, you put your name in there. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is what Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. You know, usually I find that when I come to the end of Ryan is actually when I find the beauty of the beginning of the Lord's power. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because naturally speaking, I can try to do things in my own strengths, And to some level, I can accomplish some things, but generally they're not of eternal value, and usually they have like a lifespan, like an expiration date. But I find that when I come to the end of myself and I'm at my wit's end, like this morning, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to really do or say, and he's like, that's okay, I have it. 
And I find that in my weakness, his power is perfected and made strong. Amen? I'm just so thankful for the truth of God that replaces the lie. And so this morning, I'm going to actually, I'm going to preach from a place probably of a little bit of insecurity, and that's okay, because the Lord's got me. The Holy Spirit's got me. Um, and so uh, I want to talk about something that the Lord's been, been, um, been kind of stirring in my heart. So I was thinking about it last night, I was praying about it, and I, I kind of had one, one, one thing that really came to me, kept coming back to me um, for the few minutes that I had to really think about it. Um, but... Before we get there, I do want to warn you. I I want to throw out the warning that here in about 15 minutes, this is kind of going to be a little bit more like a devotional to set our minds in a place where then we can pray for one another. So look around because you're going to be locking eyes with somebody in a little while and praying with them and for them and over them, okay? Just warning you. And you might think, well, I've never really publicly prayed and that's okay. You can say the name of Jesus and that's the most powerful name you could ever say. The most powerful thing you could ever say is just... Jesus loves you. Amen? So you don't have to have elaborate prayers, so just rest easy. Do not be anxious about anything, right? His grace is sufficient for you as well as we pray for one another here in a few moments. But um, I, I do want to I I set the conversation. I want to set the stage for the conversation we're going to have this morning here. Like I say, for about 10, 15 minutes, and we'll pray for each other. And most of you, I'm, can you go to that next slide? Most of you have probably seen memes like this. Have you ever seen on Facebook these memes. Anybody by show of hands? How many have seen these? Okay, so, uh, you know, maybe half. And so there's several memes kind of that go around, and, and it usually has an occupation or role that, that humans play. It could be anywhere from a teacher to a salesperson to a mom to a dad. And, and, and it's funny because it gives all the different perceptions of maybe uh, how people see that occupation or that role being played out. So, for instance, teacher. What my friends think I do, you see up there in the corner, um, a, a woman reading a book to, to children and just having a fun time with children. That's what your friends think you do. What my mom thinks I do as a teacher, Albert Einstein, like, you know, solving the dilemmas of whatever he does, relativity and all that. Uh, what society thinks I do, ah, oh, you're just a teacher, you just take it easy, right? What, what kids think I do, somebody who's scolding, looks like Harry Potter, somebody's scolding kids. Uh, what I think I do, you have, uh, is it Tim Robbins or is his name? Robin Williams, thank you, Tim Robbins, Robin Williams, something Robbins. Robin Williams, standing up there in Dead Poet Society, if you've ever seen that, he's like this really good um, educator, and so um, what sometimes we think we do, and then what I really do is someone alone at an office desk, buried in paperwork, and trying, you know, a little bit stressed out. Go to the next one, so we'll do one more. So a sales professional, what my family thinks I do, you know, shaking hands and doing the deal, what my friends think I do, uh, you have that... There. What society thinks I do? You're a sales pitch guy, like an infomercial type guy. What marketing thinks I do, which is take salespeople out all the time and golf. What I think I do, a shot from Jerry Maguire, you know, uh, sealing the deal. And then what I really do, which is falling asleep behind a computer and some papers again in front of you. And so it's the different perceptions of maybe what uh, society thinks or different people think about occupations and roles. And I think the thing that's comical about these, they're comical for two reasons. Um, one is because usually some of the perceptions are pretty far-fetched, like Albert Einstein, you know, solving relativity, you know, what your mom might think you do, you're solving world hunger and all that, and, and that's awesome. Usually moms are some of, the, some of our biggest cheerleaders, and I'm thankful for that. But the second reason why sometimes these are, these are comical is because by the time we get to the what I really do, that's a little bit more realistic, right? Like you look at all these other things, you're like, that, that's fine, that's fine. okay, that's really what I do. That's really maybe what it looks like. And your occupation, your role, your schedules, whatever 
it may be. And, and the reality is this. For most of us, we live fairly ordinary lives, right? And I don't take away from that, but we live fairly ordinary lives. I mean, from, from jobs in terms of schedules, kids' practices, we all have to pay bills, and darn it, we all have to pay taxes, right? Like, we're all in the same boat in the fact that if you were to, like, encapsulate all the extraordinary moments in my life from a natural term of what I would say is extraordinary, it, it would probably fit in a small container versus all the ordinary moments in my life where I'm trying to make sure kids are fed, bills are paid, I, I make it to work on time, whatever you fill in the blank of ordinary schedule. And it would fill up, you know, tank loads of things, right? Uh, and so um, we live for the ordinary lives. And so I guess the question that I that I was pondering with the Lord is this. So if my life and most of our lives are lived in the ordinary schedules of everyday life, how do we experience the fullness of God? How do we experience the fullness? How do we experience the richness of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Like we, we talk every Sunday, you know, John 10, 10. Jesus says this, I've come to give life and life to the full. And man, we get, yeah, we're excited. It's like a Braveheart moment. All of us are like, yeah, I want that life. Then we walk out in here, we're like, oh yeah, I got to feed my kids. Mm, yeah, darn it, McDonald's. Okay, well, well, here we go again, right? And sometimes we feel that way. Is anybody with me? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Or how do we experience the fullness and richness of life when it's Thursday at 3 p.m. and you've worked all week and it's been a hard week and you just want to go home and sit on your couch? Is that the richness and the fullness of God? Or when, you know, your neighbor is being kind of prickly how do you experience the fullness of God when all I want to say is something that is not of God, right? And so, in essence, how do we experience day by day, like this day by day, every day, all day, how do we experience all that God says that we can experience in his word, even in the midst of our ordinary lives? And so what I'm suggesting is this. I'm suggesting that we can actually live in the fullness of God even in the ordinary eight to five job that we may hold, even in the ordinary day where we have to take our kids to 50 practices in one night, right? Like, we can experience the richness and the fullness of God. I truly believe that. Why? Where did Jesus meet people at? In the ordinary, right? He met them on their streets. In their places, he met the woman at the well who was drawing water in a most ordinary way, in a most ordinary place. She's drawing water, yet his interaction with her changed her entire outlook and actually an entire village. You can read it in John chapter 4. It's an amazing story of God's goodness and the revelation of Christ to her. Or Jesus would meet fishermen doing their job, casting out another net for the hundredth time in that day, and they became fishers of men. He met crippled. He met beggars. He met lepers in their places, and they were never the same. In the ordinary, in the mundane. And how did he do that? Because Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit in a spirit-led vision. That's this morning what I want to talk about. How do we develop a spirit-led vision in the midst of everyday life? Because here's the deal, I don't know about you, but I've struggled. I'm like, man, I want to be led by the Spirit. So does that mean I have to move to Africa? Like, does that mean I have to, like, go and sell everything and, and, and go live downtown on the street? You know what I'm saying? Like, does anybody ever struggle with those thoughts? Am I alone? Okay. 
maybe I'm alone. I don't think I'm alone. But like, what does it take, God? Do I need to sell everything? And and so that way I can have like the spirit-led vision every day, like being guided by you. And I think his simple answer is, do what I'm calling you to do. Whether that be in corporate America or whether that be on the streets in, in downtown Wichita or in downtown LA or in Africa, you can be led by the spirit in the most ordinary or the most extraordinary places. I truly believe that. But the Holy Spirit was the key. And I love this, this fact that the Bible lays out that when, when Jesus was baptized, and you can go to three of the Gospels, record Jesus' his baptism, and then it says this. Does anybody know what it says immediately after he was baptized? He was led by the Spirit into the desert. Jesus Christ, God himself, who took on human flesh, was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted for by, by, by Satan. Isn't that amazing? Jesus himself was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, while he was on earth, needed communion with the Father in prayer. He needed spirit-led vision every day. So if Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit to walk in, in, in that fullness of the Lord on earth, do you think that maybe we might need the Holy Spirit too? I would say so. I'm not Jesus. I'm becoming more like him, I pray. But I need, you need, the Holy Spirit and a spirit-led vision. So, how do we develop an everyday kind of spirit-led vision? Well, let's start with the obvious. If you want to get healthy, what do you do? You make intentional choices to get healthy. You don't all all of a sudden just stumble into healthy eating habits. No, there's more McDonald's than there are health food places, right? Right? I mean, there's, there's more Wendy's than there are uh, whatever those places are, because I don't go to those places. <laughs> Unfortunately, I go to Wendy's more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Lord, for a check and conviction. Uh, but you also don't stumble into some gym randomly. Like, you don't find yourself on, a, like, the running track of the YMCA, like, how did I get here? Wow, this is crazy. Awesome. No, you, like, you make intentional choices, and you set your feet to a path that will get you to, to your destination of healthy choices. Change your food habits. You, you, you change your, your, your gym plan, maybe, that where you need to go a little more often, or you renew it so you go more often, right? So that's kind of, you know, an obvious intentional thing that we do. And the same thing is, is similar to spirit-led vision every day. You see, every day that you and I wake up, we have a choice to make. I, I believe this. And it's not just actually one time in the morning. It's actually all throughout the day. You and I have a choice to make every day, every minute, every hour, um, every, every time we're interacting with our spouse, with our coworkers, with our children, every time we're interacting with a stranger at Walmart, you and I have a choice to make. You see, we can, we can put on one of two visions. We can wear our natural vision, which is, again, the most obvious and probably the easiest. You open your eyes and there's the natural, and you decipher the world around you through all your five senses. But I will tell you this, that is the easiest, but by far the least fulfilling, Because you will discover there is really no tangible, in the natural, there's really no tangible expression of the nature of God. I mean, to some degree there might be, but you're still lacking. And the second option is this. You can choose to put on a vision that is spirit-led. And what I mean by this is every day, every moment, you can choose to put on a spirit-led resurrection life, my God is bigger type of glasses that will probably lead you into 
deeper conversations, deeper encounters, deeper opportunities to pray with others, and it will radically change the way that you view the world. But it starts with your choice, and the Holy Spirit will help you, but you have to choose to surrender. So which, I guess my first question then is this, which vision, which glasses do you tend to put on daily? The natural ones, again, the easiest. Or do you choose, or will you choose to put on spirit-led vision, resurrection life glasses, where now you see everything through the cross and through resurrection? The Apostle Paul desired this for believers, and he wrote, and he actually prayed for this. Like, he contended in prayer for this uh, for the Ephesian church. If you have your scriptures, go to Ephesians chapter 1. It's one of my favorite uh, portions of scripture. Uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers, and he has some things to say. Uh, I'll find it here. Colossians. There we go. Um, it says this. And I'm actually going to read from the Amplified Version. I think there's some rich language in here that I, that I love. And so, so hear me now. Um, let's pray, because I want this to fall on, on hearts and ears. My words are, 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 are fleeting, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So let's pray. God, we pray, uh, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, you would just, man, interact uh, with us this morning. We know that you desire that. We know that you, you, uh, you want that. And so, uh, Jesus, as we read uh, your scripture, we just pray, um, Lord, that it would just be planted on fertile hearts and that it would produce a harvest that's beyond what we could even imagine. And so, God, we love you and thank you for your word, um, which guides us and leads us and, and gives us direction. So uh, thank you, Jesus, your name. Amen. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. And it says this. This is Paul again. He's writing to the, to the believers in Ephesus. And he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and you will cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength. I pray for wisdom and revelation so that you would know him intimately, better and deeper. I pray that you would begin to understand his surpassing greatness and, and his unlimited power for those of us who believe. Like, does that, does that scripture, I hope that like, you're challenged by that. I hope that you're encouraged by that. Because that's, that's Paul is, he's contending in prayer for these Ephesian believers that this might be the reality that sinks into their bones. And so he's praying that their spiritual eyes would actually become the reality in which they view the world around them. That their spiritual eyes would actually be more real even than the tangible world they feel. Because I tell you this, friends, that tangible world that you feel, that I feel, one day it will no longer exist. But I tell you what, I know a God who is eternal. 
And so which, which vision do you put more stock in? Spirit-led vision is not developed in a day or a week or even a year. It's an everyday, lifelong journey with the Holy Spirit. You grow, you learn, you fail, you trust, you repent, and that's just in one day. And then you do it again the next day. You grow, you fail, you trust, you learn. Your journey with the Holy Spirit, and it's a beautiful thing. In, in early January of this year, I got a chance to take a mission trip to, to Africa with a group from, um, from here and several others from different churches. And um, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing and incredible um, a journey and a trip. And God did some really cool things and opened our hearts and our minds to different things. And um, every night, every night and every day, uh, every morning, we would pray for specific things. And throughout the day, we'd pray with one another and over others. And what, there was a couple themes that kept coming up in our prayer times together. And those couple things were this. One, we prayed that we, would, that we would have dreams and visions from the Lord. That the Holy Spirit would just, man, give us dreams and visions. Whether that be while we're sleeping or during the day um, as we're encountering whatever or whoever. So we prayed for that. And we also prayed for healings. That, yeah, our God is a healing God. Amen? Amen. And I still believe that our God is active and working and desires healing in his creation. Amen? And so we prayed for those two things. And so um, it was crazy because um, as far as dreams go, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't tend to have vivid dreams. I, if I do, they're really random. And I remember like one random thing in the morning. I'm like, oh, that was strange. Okay. And I kind of usually go on with my day. Um, but on January 5th, it was a Saturday night. We had been there for five days. I went, to, I went to bed as normally. We had prayed that just that night that we would, man, God gives us dreams and visions and dreams and visions. And we had prayed it. And I went to bed. And it was Saturday night, January, January 5th, and um, in about 1 a.m., I, I began to dream. And I don't know how long the dream was necessarily in real time, but I saw in pictures and in colors and in themes that I had never, ever experienced before. And the Lord woke me up about 2 a.m. in Kigali, Rwanda, and, and I felt as though I needed to write this down. And so it, it took me about an hour to write it down, and... And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. Like, my mind's racing, and I'm just like, I, it frightened me. And, and not like in a nightmare kind of sense, but a, like a reverence of the Lord kind of sense. Like, that was from the Lord, because I, I can't naturally dream even that cool, right? I mean, they're really random, and this wasn't. It was really connected. And so, anyway, so I decided, I wrote it down, I prayed with, it, uh, with a couple of the guys in, in our room, and then um, the next day I was able to get it to some people in Wichita that I thought it may relate to, and the Lord used it. And secondly, a few days later, we're working at a construction site, and we're building a school there in Rwanda, and um, we've been praying for healings, and, and me and some of the guys, were laying bricks, and we're catching on, though not real fast. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're actually slowing them down. We thought we were going to go down there and like build this thing in a day, and we realized that we don't know what we're doing. And so um, they, were, they were gracious enough to teach us, but... Um, it was about mid-afternoon, and Courtney comes up, uh, Courtney Hoyer, who went, came, came up to me, and she's like, uh, God, just, God just healed Vernus's leg, and he was the foreman of the place, and his leg was a little short, and so he, he kind of limped, and he was in pain. And she's like, we literally saw it grow. And here is my reaction. I, I wish I could say I had a profound reaction, but I was like, really? <laughs> like, can you have verifiable evidence? Because I... I mean, I mean, honestly, that's what, that's what came out of me, like, really? 
Yet I had prayed for it. Yet we had prayed for healing. For how many days the Lord interacts with our prayers and his leg is healed? And my response is, really? Now, I share, I share the story of the dream and another healing for two reasons. One is because my God answers prayers. Amen? And, and even with weak, feeble prayers that sometimes we bring and like, well, I kind of pray for visions and dreams. Oh, Lord, it'd be cool if you healed. Like, he wants to do that a whole lot more than we, than we even desire it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a gracious God. So, A, he gets the credit and he gets the glory. But second of all, even though I had prayed and even though we had prayed for those things, I still tended to put on the natural vision glasses because they were the easiest. It's things I could feel and know and touch. And so, friends, I confess that, saying that I by no means am an expert. I confess that, hoping that it will encourage you to know that this whole trust thing in the Lord, we, we, like faith is built. It's built. It's not just something that when you say yes to Jesus, oh, man, I, that faith is like out of this world 100%. No, it, it, it's built. As we trust in the Lord daily, as we are led by the Spirit every day, it builds trust. It builds faith in us, that our God is who he says he is. He can be trusted as he says he can be in his word. So I, I certainly confess that and I'm thankful that the Lord, even in my unbelief and my weakness, still challenges me and encourages me. Amen? And I, what I felt when, when, when I said, really? It, it is, yeah, I felt a little conviction to say, do I really believe what the Bible says about Jesus? But I didn't feel condemnation from the Lord. Friends, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you fail and you struggle and you're like, man, I just, I want to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. If you come to the Lord with a contrite heart, I believe he honors that heart. I truly do. And he doesn't shame you. He doesn't say, Ryan, man, really, dude? He's like, man, you're my son. Let, let's, let's journey through this together. Let's talk about this. And Lord, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I failed. And he's like, you know, you may have slipped up. That's okay. Like, let's work on this. It's trust. Faith is rising. It's building in you, Ryan. It's a beautiful thing about our God. So I kind of want to, I want to end with a couple, um, again, this is more devotional. And so how, how we walk this out every day and how we develop a spirit-led vision every day. And what I mean by spirit-led vision is I want to operate in the power and the calling and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, because naturally, Ryan Wallace, I'm not that strong. I'm graying, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, in this tent, this earthly tent, it's, it'll eventually fade away. But I want, I want things that are eternal, that make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so I want a spirit-led vision that leads me every single day, even in the mundane moments of my life, even in the ordinary places where I find myself. I want to trust that the Lord is active and he's working, and I want to be a part of it. Amen? And so I, I just want to give you a couple things here this morning that um, if you choose to wear those, those glasses and say, I'm all in, if you choose to develop spirit-led vision with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then I want to offer several ways to build up your spiritual senses to his work in your life and actually all around you. So number one, be expectant that God will move. Like, do you expect, as a believer, that your God is on the move? 
And if not, if you hesitate to answer yes, then take that up with the Holy Spirit. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. Have a conversation with him. Be expectant that God will move. Trust me, trust me, trust me. God wants to move more in your life than you even want him to move in your life. That's who he is. He wants to renew your marriage. He desires healing in your coworkers and so on. So pray for opportunities that God would give you to lead your marriage into Christ-likeness. Pray for opportunities for healings for your coworkers. And you may think, well, you know, HR says I can't really pray. You know what? Our God is bigger than HR, okay? So I'm just saying, he'll make a way. If you pray for opportunities, he'll provide the way, all right? So one, be expectant that God will move. Number two, remember, faith is not some instantaneous feeling or thing. We talked about this. Faith is built up. Faith is built up when we choose to trust daily in the Lord, when we begin walking daily in the small ways he instructs us to, and when we see that he is faithful. Faith to me, I, I'm, a, I'm a guitar player, and trust me, when I, when I first played this guitar 20 years ago, I was absolutely horrible. I'm still not the greatest, I'm still a work in progress, but 20 years ago, I, it took me like eternity to go between two chords, and I was so mad. Like, I was like, I'm about to bash this thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was so mad, I couldn't get it. But the more that I, I practiced, and the more that my fingers hurt, the more that I began to move between chords and know the fretboard, began to trust that my fingers were in the right place, in the right position, the more the sound actually started sounding like music and less like noise. It's muscle memory. My, my fingers now know where to go on, on a guitar neck, on a fretboard. I think faith is similar. It's a muscle memory. It's something that's built up. The more we trust, the more the small ways and God instructs us to and we're like, oh, this does not feel like something smooth. And he's like, that's okay. Trust, I'm working in you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got this. And eventually you'll be running full-fledged. You'll be like, this is the fullness of life. Thank you, Jesus. But it doesn't, it doesn't start with a sprint. I have, I have a son, my middle son, Micah. Love the kid. But man... He does not like the long road, the long journey. And so this week he was skateboarding um, for like the first time. We went down to the gathering place in Tulsa. Anybody ever been there? Phenomenal park. Just check it out. It's crazy. But anyway, there's a skate park. And we went with some friends, and they're skaters, and we're not. Um, but they brought an extra skateboard for my kids, which I'm like, that could really go wrong. But we'll give it a shot. And so there's, there's a couple ramps, and, and, and my son Mike and Keenan, the first time like, they got on the skateboard, they couldn't hardly stand on the, the thing without like, sliding. And then they'd, they'd fall like a foot you know, down the ramp, and then they'd fall like two foot. But by about 45 minutes, they were able to go over a few of those, those humps. And it was awesome to watch as a father. And I think our Heavenly Father's probably a lot in a similar way. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to fall. Let me help you up. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. And, and again, it's not in a condemnation way like, you should have done that better. I told you already. He's like, son, come on, come on, come on. I got this. We got this. You know what I'm saying? Faith is built up. Trust in the Lord in the small ways. And then lastly, see everything around you through the lens of the cross and resurrection. If there's, if there's nothing more that you hear this morning, remember this. We are resurrection people. Plain and simple, we're resurrection people. We celebrate Easter, yet sometimes we act like it doesn't even exist. And I'm saying that just as much for myself. 
See, every opportunity, every person, every encounter, every day, every moment, every time you're in a meeting that seems mundane and super boring, or every time you step foot on the continent of Africa and you're like, this is extraordinary. Everything in between, everything in between, see it through the lens and the perspective of the cross and resurrection. There is life. God is moving. There is an empty tomb. Be a people of hope of resurrection. Amen? Be expectant. Remember that faith is built up and see everything around you through the lens of the cross and resurrection. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.